Joining us now on the Stoney and Jansen program, we are blessed to be joined by the quarterback of a team that actually won a playoff game in the city of Detroit. Technically, it was Pontiac, yes. The last quarterback of the Lions to win a playoff game is Eric Kramer, and he joins us now. How are you? I'm fantastic. That's a nice setup. Thank you. It's well, good to be uh, – I, I love coming back there now, actually. And went back to a game this year. It was a Raider game, Monday Night Raider game. Oh, and, uh, it was a good one. It was, it was obviously packed and uh, deafening all at the same time. So I've got to ask you this because I was I was looking a little bit more into when we were doing the interview, and I know that you had a couple of nicknames when you were here in Detroit. Uh, one of them was Cosmo, and the other one, I don't know if there was a nickname that came out of this, but one, an offensive lineman, and I always trust those guys. They, they know best. <laughs> they do. Uh, one of his comments was, this guy's got brass balls. Oh, yeah. I, I remember yeah. that. Right. And, right. And so, in Delaware. Yeah, please – Dallas Please enlighten me as to how you earn the respect of your offensive linemen to say that they that for them to say that you got brass balls. <laughs> so, all right, this is good. So this is uh, we this is in in uh, what year was this? Ninety one, and so uh, uh, we're we're playing in Indianapolis. This is pre Peyton Manning days, and uh, uh, they um, Rodney was playing starting and then uh they uh we punted and they fumbled the punt and i think we recovered on around i can't remember what yard line it was around the 25 30 yard line going in and um they uh so we recovered and rodney on the previous play had injured something i forget what it was and he couldn't go back in so i did and um I think it was, I can't remember the play sequence, but um, it was like a third and one. And uh, because, you know, when I, not from not playing, I mean, just basically practicing all the time with guys who were playing, um, we had this little fade stop uh, call, and uh, I think it was Willie Green. Um, he looked in at me, and he had press coverage, and so I, he he put his little, you know, his hand on his inside of his shoulder pad and, uh, which was a fade stop sign. And so I said, all right. And, um, we threw it for a touchdown and, um, I running off the field. I remember Jerry Waffler was the line coach and he was kind of, you know, kind of chuckling. And I go, what? He goes, you take the ball out of Barry Sanders hands on third down. <laughs> you could have been flying yourself home. <laughs> and I remember get on. I remember just going to sit on the bench with uh, with um, Willie, and I was like, "That was third down." <laughs> so, so when I got on the bus after the game, Ken Delafour and and I think I forget who else was back there. I think um, uh, probably Lone. I can't remember. Anyway, so. It was, yeah, Dallas Ford, a few other linemen. They're like, "Hey, Brad, let's get back here." <laughs> there you go, Press. Well earned. Yeah. So, so, so that season, people forget. I mean, everybody knows about the playoff game. Once we get to a second, but you guys were six and two. Rodney gets hurt, and then you take him the rest of the way. That was just, and then the Utley situation. What an incredible season that was for you guys. It was, and and I remember. Um, <clears throat> I I want to say. Like you said, we're six and two. I think we lost a couple games. Um, the first couple games I started, I think we lost, and one of them might have been against Tampa Bay. 
and we it was in Tampa, and we um, we I think we ran a quarter. We did. It was a quarterback sneak. It was a touchdown, but they had a linebacker named Hardy Nickerson. Oh yeah. And and uh, Hardy, like as I'm going across, he he we go helmet to helmet. <laughs> And I'm laying on top of Mike Utley, and he's I'm face down on, like we're face mask to face mask, and I'm like Mike, I can't feel my feet, and he goes what? And he started throwing everybody off the pile, and um, sure enough, whatever it was, a few weeks later, wow. we're playing the Rams, and uh, he goes down, and I didn't know what happened, um, you know, because guys get sort of you know there's always something going on in a game and someone's getting injured or carried off or carted off. And I had no idea what happened until I want to say it was, um, after the game or I can't remember. Anyway, the next morning, a group of us headed over to the hospital and realized, wow, this is not good. And, um, so yeah, that, uh, I remember when I was, um, you know, the funny thing about Mike, not funny, but the interesting thing is through all of this, um, you know, he's been paralyzed now longer than he wasn't. Yeah. And, and he, but when you talk to him, he's Mike Utley. Like he's like, if you got on phone, if we call him right now, Hey, what's up? <laughs> like he, like he doesn't nothing nothing gets him down. And mind you, he's nearly died, probably half a dozen times that's from crazy. infections and whatever. Yeah. That, that that that's crazy. Uh, so you guys, the thirty eight six game over the Cowboys. You guys just dominated the game. Uh, what what what's your greatest recollection of of, of that game? <laughs> it was like everything worked. It was like it was literally like practice. And, um, uh, (laughs) like in every phase of the game. And I remember, um, so I I played as a strike player in 1987 with the Falcons and Tony Casillas was on that team. So he was on, he was, he played for the Cowboys at this time. Mm -hmm. And I remember him and Jack Del Rio were kind of popping off during the week about, I was just a scab player. Well, uh, for the Super Bowl that year in 87, Tony had a little party at his house and, I, and invited me. <laughs> so um, I just, you know, I, it was kind of like after the fact, like, who the F do you think you are? You know, like I, th- that was my little break to get in. You decide to strike, not me. <laughs> and and, and uh, some of the players... Um, didn't cross some of the NFL players didn't even cross the line. Right. And so, um, or, or did cross the line, excuse me. And, uh, anyway, that, that's, I just remember that day in general, uh, in every way. Like I think, uh, Melvin Jenkins picked off a pass for touchdown, mm-hmm. um, uh, defensively. And I, I can't remember. I want to say Mel Gray had a really nice punt or kick return and offensively, um, we didn't run the ball all that well, but we threw it all over the place. And it's funny because the like the obviously the play that Barry scored and turned everybody around on that was his one play of the game. And and he and he faked your boy Casillas out of his jock. He did. Yeah, he did. 
but it was like, uh, you know, <laughs> that was one game. He really didn't do anything other than that one play that's on every highlight reel. <laughs> well, and I'll say I was growing up at that time. I was I grew up here in Detroit, and I watched that game, so I know what it felt like as a fan leading up to it, getting that win f- from a, a player's perspective, especially the quarterback of that team. What was it like leading up to that game, and then following it? Because and, and obviously since then, it's been the only you know playoff victories that this that this city has known, and we all know that the the this town loves the Detroit Lions. And that's what I felt, John, when uh, when going back to that game. And I've been to every game for the last, I don't know, three, four, five years, I've gone back to the alumni game. And so that Monday night game was the closest thing I felt to that this, this past season. And um, it was electric. I mean, there was – in the Silverdome back then, I don't know how many it held. I want to say it was closer to 80 or yep, something. Absolutely. And everybody had a white something to shake. <laughs> and so it was – I'm just glad I didn't play for Dallas that day because uh, it was deafening. And that, that's – Ford Field that night, uh, that Monday night game, was the closest thing I'd ever heard of that. Yeah. For final, final. And, and it was it – was, it, all I can say is it was fun. <laughs> yeah. A final thing about the the Lions career. It's You know, you guys in Dallas, everybody thought were going to be the teams of the decade. Dallas obviously was. You guys weren't. You You went to the playoffs – Again, you had the, that great game against Green Bay that they show all the time with the Sterling yep. Sharp. And you guys, you know, you had the, unfortunately, the interception that went back 102 yards. But you got you drove right back down the field to take the lead before the, the Sharp play. Would you ever have imagined, you know, back in 91 even, that that would be the last playoff game? No. That group, no. let alone the franchise, had ever won? No, no. Because did you see... Have you guys? Seen, I know I've seen the Barry's uh, uh, the Do- documentary Bye Bye Bear. I've seen that. Yeah. Did you guys see the All Madden one? No. So check that out. And and uh, uh, Tom Rinaldi was one of the producers on that. And I I texted him the other day. I was like, Wow, I didn't know you were a producer on this. And I I said, You know, had we had a coaching staff in an organization like Dallas, we probably could have won a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, and he goes. Yeah, I agree. And and um, but you're right. I mean, that was that team in '91 really mirrored the current team of De- of Detroit, and in terms of uh, I'm sorry, talent wise and being young. The what I see on this Detroit team that's different is that. The coaching staff actually does know what they're doing, and they seem they seem all rowing in the same direction from the top down. That that I think none of us have seen in Detroit, maybe ever. Well, when you were here, you had the owner call the wrong guy, congratulating him on, on being the starting quarterback. Right? Was you uh, Andre and Rodney, if my memory's correct? Right? What Mr. Ford right. called? Well, well, how'd that go down? Um, I, I, Bill Keenis tells that story and, um, I can't really remember the whole background to it, but, um, that, that was a reflection of Wayne Fonts and, and, uh, uh, and, and that's the one thing that in, in the Bye Bye Barry, I'm glad they did that documentary by the way. And, and, uh, cause it was nice to see that Barry had, you know, uh, the reason I think we all thought, um, 
that went beyond he was just tired. And um, because it was kind of like what I just referred to, is like back then in the NFC, there were basically three teams that would go hunt for whoever, which was the Packers, the uh, 49ers, and the Cowboys. And the opposite was true of Detroit. And and uh, the, I remember how Wayne comes back and he's talking, yeah, all we needed was a quarterback. I'm like, all we needed was a freaking coach. Like, did you even know where the practice field was? And And that's the thing is like, that dude in particular didn't have any idea there was even a game going on. <laughs> wow. Like, here's, like, he would go, like, hey, let's run that play again where Barry scores. <laughs> well, he was the one, when they, before you even got there with the run and shoot, he said, well, I think we're scoring too fast. Okay, got it. And that, <laughs> that was his, like, you know, uh, do you remember um, – uh, Clay Matthews, not the one uh, Green Bay, but his dad, yeah. Clay Brown. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Clay and I have been friends for a long time. And Clay, Wayne Fonts was at FC when uh, when Clay was getting recruited. In fact, that's who recruited him. And he, he goes, Clay, uh, you know, uh, around here, you can call me Wayne Fonts. But out, out, out on the streets, I'm Wayne Fontes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We could never understand why his brother had a different pronunciation of the last name. All right. All right. You go to Chicago, you make the playoffs with the Bears a little bit, uh, your career ends, and then uh, everybody knows you had a, a, a situation with a gun, and that's part of your story, the book, The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. How have you been able to come back from all, all that, Eric? Well, uh, that's the miracle of life, I guess. And because I did everything you could possibly do to ensure that I wouldn't be here, like on this interview, for one thing. And and um, so thankfully, the doctors do what, did what they did. And the people around me, um, you know, uh, just hung in there the entire time. And... Um, Medically, I think there's probably not a long list of folks that have put a gun to their head, pulled the trigger, and then lived to tell about it. Um, and so, you know, there were some, there was some, re, there were some, there were some tragic things that went in to that day. Um, and uh, but since then, um, since, and I can't remember when, because there was probably. I guess I'm told the date was August 18th, 2015. And um, there's not a lot I remember of that day. Uh, there's not even a lot I remember leading up to that day or for probably two or three years afterward. And uh, so the fact that I'm still here, I feel very blessed. And um, and so, yeah, and, and the purpose I have, uh, obviously, the people that that I'm still here is um, I'm very grateful to the people that are here also that saw me want to not be. And I was uh, talking at a company back in uh, Chicago uh, not too long ago, about a month ago. And a woman at the end 
comes up to me and she says, uh, I could tell she was kind of emotional. And I said, what's wrong? And she says, you know, my mom passed away um, a few years ago. And about 10 months after that, my sister committed suicide. And I said, yep. And I said, uh, what, what those of us who do that don't realize and lose perspective on is that for us, it's over. For those that are around us and love us, it's just beginning. And, and so I think that you lose perspective on that. You lose perspective on depression will, will knock your socks off and it sends you down a hole where you lose all perspective on what life really is. And, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm thankful Stoney for the fact that I get a second chance. And, uh, so there's a couple projects I'm involved in now actually have started that, uh, have to deal with mental health for young kids and, and families and, um, and, a, and a passing camp for high school kids. I, I know that there were a lot of things that led to that moment and whether it was, you know, a lot of family issues that were going on for you, the loss of your son, uh, the loss of your parents, uh, the ending of your career. How much do you think the head trauma that you suffered during your career played a part into the depression and what got you to this place? Well, none of us will ever really know, will we? No, at least not at this point. And, uh, so, you know, and I think you're referring to the CTE, um, that's obviously a big part of the lives of those who've played any sort of sport where head trauma is a factor. And, uh, you know, had you asked me, um, prior to this, how many concussions I'd had, I would have said one because in high school I played safety and I, I knocked myself out on a, on a hit and, um, ended up in the hospital that night. And, uh, but if you look at it, like they look at it today, um, I, I couldn't tell you, I put, couldn't put a number on it. Um, and, and, uh, because then if you go back to all the times that you were kneed in the head or got slammed on the ground or then, you know, and if you think back to, from, youth football up through high school, college, pro, then, you know, I don't know, 500. Wow. And so um, then you kind of get a feel for, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not a person that will, like at this point in life or ever, I'm not a person that would walk into a room and forget while I'm there. Or, or forget my way home, or anything like that. But um, I don't know. To ask, answer your question, I don't know what role that has played. I'm guessing some. Um, it, it, you know, it, you would ha- it would have to <clears throat> it would have to be part of the equation. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't know how to answer that in a definitive way. Nor, nor do I think anybody does. Yeah. The book is the ultimate comeback: surviving a suicide attempt, conquering depression, and living with a purpose. The author, the last man to quarterback the Lions to a playoff win back in January of 1992, Eric Kramer. Always was a great guy. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and we're we're glad you're alive to tell your story. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
I am too, man. I appreciate that. Always good to be with you, Stoney. And uh, go Lions. We're headed back to the playoffs. I hope you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, this is. Uh, I know the. I know the Lions have stubbed their toe here those last few weeks, but they'll get it back together. All right. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take I, care. That's Eric Kramer here. Stoney and Jansen, ninety-seven-one. The ticket.